right, and welcome everybody to this year's Summer Film Challenge. I am Josh the Merck Rainer, owner of Merck with a Movie Blog, and I am joined today by two of my favorite people, Mr. Seth Singleton. Seth, say hi. Hello, hello, hello. And Brad Filicky. Say hi, Brad. Hey, everyone. Uh, these two fine gentlemen uh, work for me over at DC Comics News, doing all kinds of great stuff over there. So I'm really glad to have them on this year for the Summer Film Challenge. Uh, for those of you who have uh, listened to this before, uh, you kind of know you know, the, the, the kind of lowdown of it. But uh, for those of you who are just joining us this year, I'll go over the rules. Each participant will pick out what they believe to be the top 10 domestic grossing films of the summer. Summer, in this case, will be from May 1st all the way up through Labor Day, uh, which I believe is uh, September 6th. Also, films uh, released during this time frame are uh, only eligible and only the box office results between those dates will count. So, for instance, uh, Play, for Playmobil the movie, which comes out, I think, like August 30th, you'll we'll only have like a week's worth of its box office because once September 6th hits... That's the cutoff, and no other uh, box office results will count for this uh, challenge. We will also uh, each choose three Dark Horse pick films, uh, which we think will it may have a possibility of hitting the top ten. The scoring will be as such, with the first and last picks being weighted the heaviest. Scores will be tabulated to give the single highest point value for each player's pick. If you get the number one or number 10 uh, that you have chosen correct, that would be 13 points. Two through nine, if you get any of those correct, that is 10 points. Uh, if one of your picks is only one spot away, meaning let's say you picked it as number five, but it ends up as number four or number six, uh, then you get seven points for that one. Two spots away is five points. And anywhere else on the top 10 is three points. Uh, and if you get one of your Dark Horse picks by any chance on the top 10, that is one additional point. At the end of the summer, I will tabulate all the scores and uh, we will have a winner. And then we will come back on and do another podcast kind of talking about uh, breaking everything down from the summer as that. So uh, you guys understand all the rules? Yep. All right. I do. I do. Do you have any questions before we start? Nope, we're good. All right. I, I think like I want to be ready to, you know, yeah, I just want to be ready to, you know, capitulate at any given moment on any of my choices, and I state that openly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get down to it. This is the 2019 Summer Film Challenge. Let's get down to it. We're going to start off with our Dark Horse Picks. Uh, so, Seth, why don't you uh, break down your top three for the Dark Horse picks? Yeah, when it comes to my top three for the uh, Dark Horse picks, I, I was all over the place with this, just like I was with my uh, my choices for the top ten. And it just gets funny the, the more you start playing around with it. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and start out with my number three is uh, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. I feel like uh, it's really got this, uh, you know, potential here but uh yeah that's my pick right there okay what's your number two my number two is going to be uh once upon a time in hollywood oh interesting choice okay yeah what, uh, what uh, made you choose that one well with that one i feel like you know there there's an expectation initially for me just because of 
everything I know about Tarantino and I feel like his pairing with Brad Pitt and just the overall cast in general and the story um, is going to have a great twist. But I'm not sure how much of that's actually going to connect with audiences before the film hits theaters and how much time there will be for that to get through to audiences, for them to get into the theaters and experience it there. I almost feel like this is going to be something where the whole part about, you know, Manson and other aspects is going to be kind of lost until after it's hit DVD or streaming quality. And then someone's going to go, hey, there's this whole thing that the rest of the country should really know about. <laughs> and that could really affect its standing if that ends up playing out like I think it could. All right. Yeah. For my number one, uh, this is kind of weird, but I, I went with Aladdin. As a, okay. as a dark horse for me there's this part of me that wonders if it's going to be uh received early in the way that it might have originally been thought of when it was first announced compared with some of this very strange reaction from those early trailers and early snapshots not only of will smith but of the other characters it just seemed like there wasn't this huge glowing huggy embrace there was more of a oh this isn't my Disney version that I remember. And that sort of hesitation really makes me wonder if the expectations will change for it. And then if it does surpass them, will it then have become this dark horse? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense, but we'll definitely be talking about it more as it's in my top 10. So, okay. Yeah, it's curious. in, my, it's in yeah. my top 10 as well. So, okay. Yeah. All right. And Brad, what about your dark horse picks? Uh, my first or third dark horse pick, would be all once upon a time in hollywood um i'm a huge quentin tarantino fan so if just completely going on my own taste that would be my number one but uh with our ratings may drag it down a bit and with quentin tarantino there's always a question of how long the movies are the longer the movies are it's you know reduced screenings and things like that um and i think this one is going to have a lot of word of mouth that's going to either save it or hurt it Okay. Uh, my number two is Rocketman. Okay. Uh, I think music uh, bios are pretty hot right now with Bohemian Rhapsody doing so well. It might still have a little bit of a residual bounce from things like that. Um, and my first uh, Dark Horse pick is Brightburn. This is another movie that I think that within our community, uh, the, the geek world, are going crazy for this and really want to see it but beyond that it might have a little bit less appeal and i think what's going to either make or break this is going to be uh word of once it does come out so i think like the second weekend numbers will tell a lot about how how it does yeah brightburn is one of those ones that i'm really excited about i don't have it on my list but i, I mean i'll be happy if it does get up that high because uh, i i think it's it looks like it's gonna be a fantastic fantastic film um, and I guess I'm the only one who didn't, who kind of is, is underselling Quentin Tarantino over here because I did not have uh, Once Upon a Time in, in, in my list anywhere. Um, so for my. That's okay. We forgive you. <laughs> so for my Dark Horse picks, my number three is one that neither of you had in yours and probably do not have in your top 10. But when I was looking at the long range tracking for a lot of these movies, this is one that kind of popped out to me as all of all three of mine are uh, they're tracking at about a hundred million for their domestic run, and so the so my number three is the 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 new Shaft movie with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. 
Yeah, I was surprised choice. that it's that it's tracking so high because uh, I was kind of like I wasn't sure what I was gonna pick for my third one. I was like kind of like I had gotten my tw- my top twelve picked out, uh, and, and for this one I was like I don't know. So I was like I was looking through the tracking, and Shaft popped out. With the tracking at 100 million and a 30 million opening weekend, so I was like, maybe something's going on. There must be enough talk going around uh, for this for the tracking for this. So I'm interested. Uh, I I enjoyed the other Shaft movies that I've seen. So uh, and with Samuel Jackson, yeah, the first Shaft was was really good. Yeah, I thought that was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. And this one looks more like a comedy, but that's uh, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, Uh, my number two is uh, Men in Black International. Uh, like I said again, it's tracking at about a hundred million with a uh, thirty-five million dollar opening weekend. So the Men in Black movies, uh, I love the first two. The third one, it kind of fell apart. But I think with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson being in there, they they were great together in Thor Ragnarok. So I I think that uh, I think we may actually see this one get a little bit higher than people are expecting. And for my my number one is John Wick Chapter 3. These these films are great, and they've just been kind of going up, you know, with each one. So I I have no doubt that this one's going to make a good amount of money, and it would not surprise me to see John Wick, uh, you know, getting close to the, to that top ten. So Actually, it wouldn't surprise me either. I, I felt like the second um, – I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun ride. But uh, before I had the chance to see it, I'd heard a lot of feedback from people that I you know, knew either from work or just overhearing. And there had been something of a, a letdown from one to two. And really? I didn't feel that overall. Yeah, I, I liked it feel... better than the first one. Yeah, yeah, I think I did, too. And it ended on such a cliffhanger. I was like, man, I yeah. can't wait to see what happens. Exactly. And also for three, there is some element about seeing both of them walking with their dogs that yeah. just sort of like doubled if not tripled the emotional stake i mean it was the dog who kind of set everything in motion from the very beginning right and now to have two of them and your constant worry is not just going to be about your heroes but about their companions who i mean for me in some ways i think they become more important (laughs) in the role of the movie i think this one could really you know pop in a way that that will surpass maybe what it was able to do with the first two and and end it following up that cliffhanger with that great strong note. So uh, I'm really intrigued. I'm also kind of curious about Brad and I going with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and um, and Josh, you're not having it on. You mentioned, uh, you know, that it, it didn't end up on your list. Was there a specific reason overall why that one, you know, just sort of like, I think you also mentioned it wasn't in your top 10. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's probably because I have not really kept up that much with Tarantino. Like I love his old stuff, you know, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, that kind of stuff. Those those films I absolutely love. But like I really I haven't seen some of his more recent stuff. I haven't seen uh, The Hateful Eight yet. I haven't seen uh, uh, what was it um, Django and Chain. So I feel like it's because I haven't kept up that maybe the enthusiasm for it is it really there i mean it looks like a good movie but i'm not like chomping at the bit for it so now's a good time by the way to watch uh hateful eight they just put it on netflix as a four-part oh, miniseries okay. so there you go if you want to catch Interest- up interesting four-part the they did it as a four-part yeah it's like a, it's an extended it's a huh. yeah it's extended cut so they just instead of having it as one movie they cut it in in four interesting it's like, huh? the, it's it's like the opposite of what he did with kill bill 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said. And actually, I'm not sure why, but there's something about this that reminds me of some of the tones. There's almost like that humor side from Kill Bill, a little bit of tongue in cheek that makes me wonder if this could. Because I'll be honest, too, I didn't get a chance to see Hateful Eight or Django Unchanged. And mostly what I heard was sort of the controversy about or the controversies that he played with in both. And that seemed to be the biggest interest overall. Um, and I was just uh, kind of amazed that that was my only real impression as I was thinking about seeing them. And that wasn't enough for me to, to dive in. And yet for some reason with this one, I feel like the way that there was all of this sort of bright, sunshiny, happy glow in the first trailer. And then that sort of dark hint right near the end that makes me think, OK, could this could this really surprise and do something different? Or will it end up just surviving on its ability to play with controversy again? And that's that's really actually what made me consider it mostly for a dark horse. And also because I haven't actually kept up with Tarantino. And I wonder if this might be the one that that pops him back on my radar. Interesting. All right. And and I'm also curious with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the star power. Is yeah. that still a thing? Does Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio still bring people into the theater just because it's them? And if that's the case, then Once Upon a Time will do a little bit better. Yeah, the problem that I've had is I haven't really heard that many people talking about it. You know, it's like I remember like when that first trailer came out that had Bruce Lee in it and people were like yelling about how uh, Brad Pitt couldn't beat up Bruce Lee or something stupid like that. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just like, really? That's the that's the takeaway from this? Like, like, but other Not than that, <laughs> I feel like it's been somewhat quiet, you know, so that that's one of the reasons why it didn't end up on my list. So. OK, yeah, yeah cool. All right, so we're going to hop in to the top 10, starting with our number 10. Uh, how about Brad? How about we'll start with you? Uh, my 10 is Men in Black International. Okay. Uh, I think that um, I went kind of, rather than doing the tracking thing and being scientific about it, I went with my gut, with my list. And, you know, number three did a lot better than I was expecting it to do. I still think the franchise has some gas in the tank. And you are absolutely right. With Chris Helmsworth and Tessa Thompson in it they had great chemistry in thor ragnarok so i think people are going to be willing to see what they bring to the table all right seth what about you well i'm first going to comment that that one is higher on my list okay um but uh for my number 10 i actually went with uh door in the lost city of gold um, really interesting yeah i i feel like this won't be one that's gonna you know be in the top five uh, or even, you know, in the top eight. But there is, and with a few of these products, you're going to hear me mentioning this, there is this generational almost audience now. The amount of time that the show has been on the air and the audience that's been built in, not only because the kids were watching it, but so many of the parents were watching it with them because, you know, it's important for them to keep up on what's going on and because it was great to follow up on some of these lessons that, that Dora was so well known for, you know, going into and giving the opportunity for parents to talk more about. But I feel like there's this generational aspect to it that is going to not only um, provide a certain numbers amount, but also because it's going to be this really impressive young girl doing something that a lot of young girls are, are looking for an example that's like her. And to see her on a big screen is going to mean a lot for them. I mean, we've seen a lot of response from girls when it's been uh, 
characters that they can really identify with, whether it's from Wonder Woman to Captain Marvel. And I think, you know, in many ways, this little girl is so much closer to them in that she's, you know, got this uh, got this sort of like energy and spirit to her that's so much closer to what they understand than I think as adults we can. But then also as adults, we can see all the challenges of that sort of like bright energy and we worry for that. And it's almost like heartening to see that, you know, a bright spirit like her kind of makes discoveries and doesn't ever struggle with those like horrible, horrible things. And, and still always, you know, strives, reaches kind of has that built in curiosity to her. That could have been a bit of a rant, but uh, (laughs) I feel, I feel like overall, like she's like one of those things that so many people know her name, you know, and because of that, that alone and and the the possibility of seeing on the big screen is going to drive a big percentage to the box office. So that's why she ended up falling from my 10 there. Yeah, I'm yeah. rooting for it. I want it to, I want to see it do well. Yeah, yeah I never really looks... watched the show or anything when it you know when it was big, but uh I was I'll be honest, I was not really all that impressed with the trailer for it. I had watched uh College Humor did like a three-part uh, Dora spoof that's almost the same as this, and I, I think it was far superior to the trailer that they showed for this movie. Oh, no. um, yeah, it, it was fantastic. It came out, I think, like maybe four or five years ago, but I just like, literally just discovered it like a week before the trailer dropped, and so it was still fresh in my mind when the trailer dropped, and I was like, man. The, the this college humor video I felt was better than this trailer. I don't know if that'll be a reflection on the movie as a whole, but I think that combined with the fact that I wasn't really connected to the source material all that much kind of made me not really care about it that much or even really think about it when doing this list. So, gotcha. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so then for my number ten, I went with the upcoming X Men film Dark Phoenix. Do any of you have that on your list higher? E- yes. Okay. Yes. It's we, my number nine. We will. Yeah. Okay, so since it's number nine, we'll jump right over to number nine and, uh, nice. and have you just start talking about it there. Uh, you know, I think this this film has a few things going against it. Um, I think that, you know, there's been rumors on the Internet, reshoots, and it's it's worse than Batman and Robin, people were saying, and test screenings. Uh, so I think this has a little bit of a negative uh, reaction going into it and i think that people feel burned from the last x-men movie too uh that they just didn't like it so i think yeah. that this it's just facing an uphill battle i think it if it comes out and it's better than people are expecting it to be and you know once again to the word of mouth it might help it do better but right now i think it's got an uphill battle but i still think it's going to do I, x-men still has enough of a name for itself that it'll still make the list all right, what about you, Seth? Where did you have it on your okay. list? Um, so this is where I'm actually just going to say that, Josh, you should keep in mind that not only do Brad and I you know, work with you together over at DC Comics News, but we also podcast together. And there was this thing we talked about yesterday about getting inside of each other's brains and how we're always doing that. <laughs> so it should come as no surprise to anybody that my number nine <laughs> is Dark Phoenix. Oh, I nice. actually like I was double checking my list right now, just thinking about what I wanted to say. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's my number? Are you kidding me? Are you seriously <laughs> kidding me? He just said Dark Phoenix. That's my number nine. How do I? OK, so one, not only that, but as he's talking, I'm also like and of course, he's stealing all my bullet points because that's just what Brad does when he gets <laughs> in my brain. Uh, so look, uh, 
yes, there there's some issues because there hasn't been as much success for Marvel products outside of Marvel's production. And you can look at all the examples there are from the most recent Fantastic Four, which broke my heart, uh, to the most recent X-Men. And there's a challenge to, you know, viewers like how long do we keep supporting these products if at some point they're eventually going to go back under the original house name? And, and how much do we keep, you know, going for something that's OK when what we really want is what's been so successful and the thing they're always like going nuts about as their recent, you know, movie frenzy is right now. And I feel like because of that, Dark Phoenix, for all the things it's probably going to do right uh, is going to fall prey to the same problems that for all the things first class did right for all the things that end of days did right or sorry days of future past like there there was all of these great moments you wanted to see and yet there was that sense of oh wouldn't it have been nice <laughs> if this was over there when they did that or wouldn't it have been so cool if those other guys who we love who work on these you know characters so well had this in their hands and they could have taken that even farther because you know they would and i i think that's that feeling is is like you're getting it but you're also realizing you're not getting what you could be getting and that's what's going to keep this one at number nine for me with uh dark phoenix and you know i i like a lot of who are in the the current you know casting for x-men you know i think they have a, a great you know selection there whether it's charles xavier uh all the way down the list, I could get into a fun little casting thing here. But I think that that doesn't seem to be enough to pull these movies past what they could be if it wasn't for that sense of, well, there's also what could have been. And we're getting this instead of that. Yeah. Uh, like for this one, because like I said, it's at my number 10. I was kind of bouncing between either sticking it as a dark horse and putting John Wick at number 10 and or putting this. But I think that the... The name recognition alone will at least bump it past John Wick. But I do worry, like you guys were talking about, is whether or not X-Men Apocalypse will have an effect on this. You know, it was not well-liked by by a large large majority of people. Uh, I didn't mind it, but it was definitely not up to up to snuff with some of the other X-Men films that they had done. Um, so I, I do have a feeling that, plus all of the 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 kind of behind the scenes stuff that was going on where they're getting pushed and all this other stuff with the reshoots i think that may have an effect on it oh that's interesting i didn't know as much about that yeah and that and the fact that this is the last film for this this crew i've heard people who are like you know they're not going to be doing anymore with these people because it's moving over to disney and everything like that and they're going to eventually reboot the x-men and so they just don't care that much you know, so they're just like, why bother? Even though I think that's a silly thing to say in general. It's like, would you would you not watch the series finale of your show just because it's the end? I, you know, I, I but I've heard a lot of people you try to use this excuse. So I feel like it could cost this movie a little bit by by, you know, with all these different things that have been going on with it. But I'm still hopeful. Uh, it, this last trailer that they showed, I think, looked really good. I was really excited for it. So uh, I know I'll be checking it out. So I'm pretty excited. Um, so for my number nine, I went with Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You guys have this on your list. Yes. Higher on my list. Yes. Okay. Higher on my list as well. So then we will move on to our number eights and talk about Godzilla once we get a little higher. All right. So Seth, what's your number eight? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just you know make everybody's that hair on the back of your ear stand up. Um, I'm going with Angry Birds too. Huh. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a big surpriser on this one. Um, I feel like it's also got that sort of built-in game audience. And while its numbers weren't amazing, I feel that sometimes with some of these animated products, the, the second movie can be the better version. Actually, I think Lego Movie and much of its response from not only audience, but also from critics pointed to that example as well. Um, that the sequel ended up being a little bit better than the original. Did anyone else have this on their top 10? Should I defend myself in any way? Nope, didn't have it. <laughs> I, okay. I did not. I'll be honest, I didn't realize it was coming out this summer. <laughs> well, you know, that's the funny thing. I, I tried to just base on how much I've heard going into this. I tried not to, you know, try and, like, do dig, you know, this huge thing of research. I, I For a lot of this, it, I knew... It looks like it comes out right at the end of summer. August 16th is when it comes out. So. Right. And I, I wonder if that might give it this, you know, it almost became my dark horse. And then I feel like it ends up being at the number eight for me simply because with everything else, there's oftentimes a desire to go to something that's familiar. And after all the Russian excitement of, you know, not only the the good ones that are going to hit in the summer, but maybe some of the letdowns, something like this might seem like a safe end of the summer movie. And that could really drive its numbers in my opinion, uh, not only between that, but also just this sort of potential that the, the sequel might have. So that is, you know, putting it in my eight for a lot of funny reasons. <laughs> I, th I think that that, that late uh, release date may be the only detriment that I could see because it'll only have about two weeks total. Uh, for this in order to gain gain money i mean yes usually that's usually the only time that's when you get the majority of your box offices in those first two weeks but if it starts off slow it may it may not end up being there so that's, i think that's the, i think that's probably the only the only thing that it may have working against it here yeah and it was actually what i considered for my dark horse and i i don't know i felt like the ones that i chosen for my dark horse that was you know they were strong enough and i this one just ended up falling like I knew I couldn't leave it off the top 10. There was this part of me that felt that it was going to okay. fit in there somewhere. And that I don't know why my gut was doing that, but I was kind of <laughs> laughing at myself. It's like sometimes when you're picking the football picks for like six weeks in or some other thing. And you're like, I don't know what this says to me. And I'm probably going to look silly when all the facts come out, but <laughs> it, it won't let me go. You know, maybe I'm betting the wrong horse. But, I mean, you know, the, I, the first one was surprisingly good. I really enjoyed the first one. So. I feel yeah. like this one will probably be good as well, uh, hopefully. Yeah, and I really feel if it can beat that sort of challenge of what can it make in the first week and somehow be that sort of like great thing to look forward to come the end of summer, it, it could, you know, solidify that eight standing. But, you know, the numbers will prove it in the end, and that's going to be probably my favorite part is when we come back around to this too. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, Brad, what about you? What was your number eight? Um, and number eight was uh, one that we've talked about already, uh, John Wick three. Uh, okay. I think this, uh, like, like we were saying, you know, that the the uh, cliffhanger that it ended on, I think it's going to bring a lot of people back. And when they dropped that first trailer, the internet kind of exploded. So I think that uh, I think that this is going to be better than people might be expecting it to do. All right. Uh, my number eight is Rocket Man, which uh, I know you had mentioned before. Uh, Seth, is this one on your list at all? You know, I I'm gonna be honest. I I forgot that this was about uh, Elton John, and in my brain, I kept thinking of the '90s, and I'm like, is this some reboot I haven't heard yet about? I, I don't know. I don't know if they can do a reboot of the Rocket Man old movie. You know, the the comic book superhero, and. Uh, 
and it wasn't until you guys started talking about Rocketman that I was like, oh, crap. Rocketman's the name of the Elton John movie. I'm so stupid. It's not on my top ten. I am so stupid. So, no, this is not on my top ten, and that's the embarrassing reason why. <laughs> All right, so then we, uh, I guess we'll talk about it. Yeah, I like, – like Brad had said, you know, these biopics, they've been – especially the music ones, they've been a bit on the upswing lately. And with Bohemian Rhapsody just recently coming out and, you know, getting Oscar nominations and all this stuff and Oscar wins with uh, Rami Malek, uh, I, I really I really think that Rocketman has a really good chance. And that trailer for, for this one, I it's one of my favorite trailers of the year so far. I absolutely love it. And I'm not big on biopics in general. Um, it's not something that I just run out to see, but this is one that I will definitely be going to see uh, opening weekend. Um, they're they're tracking at long range right now at 165 million. I could see it topping that, to be honest. Um, Bo Rap came in at 216, but that was in November, and it had the Oscar nomination to kind of boost it. So I don't think it'll quite get there, but I could see it, you know, getting up into the like 175, 180 range. So what about you, Brad? What do you think of it? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on the trailer. Uh, yeah, the trailer. And it's funny, they haven't released another one. It's like that one trailer is good enough that it yeah. <laughs> that it just kind of yeah. like carries it. It's such um, a good trailer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and I'd also think that, you know, not only, I think you guys are really onto something with the fact that, yeah, it's a biopic. And Josh, can I just say, I want to now refer to that movie as Bo Rap myself, because <laughs> yeah. I've never yeah. considered, as soon as you said that, I was like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Is this some kind of like code wording thing? Should I know Bo Rap? That, that's awesome. Uh, but not only that, but you know, when you think about it, uh, A Star is Born was based on a 70s remake, which was one of its most popular versions. And then, you know, Elton John, it was, all like the fourth movies or, it was like the fourth or fifth version of that one, too. Correct. And for so long, uh, there's been this material from that period, from the 70s, whether it's that movie, which was, a, you know, a musical film movie and, you know, a fictional biopic, but also these two different big names from that period. Elton John and uh, Queen kind of were big definers of the 70s. I mean, yeah. they and ABBA, you know, are probably like the top three that you think of when you're like, oh, yeah, the 1970s into the 80s. I mean, uh, you know, they're influenced. So I can only imagine that getting to hear these stories. Plus, these were two people who, because of their lifestyles, in many ways, were very private, you know, and this is the first sort of chance to see inside not only, you know, the chance we got to with Freddie Mercury and uh, Bo Rap which is so awesome to say, <laughs> uh, but also, you know, getting the chance to sort of really get inside, you know, uh, the story of Elton John. And I feel like that was one of the things that made the trailer so powerful was that, I mean, I'd never heard any of these stories about him like this growing up. I'd never even heard glimpses of this identity or that he got his name as the trailer implies from one of his friends or bandmates. Like this whole sort of concept that feels like I've never heard any of these stories. They're all completely fresh and new. And with some artists, their their stories are lived out in public so much that hearing, you know, seeing the movie is almost like, oh, yeah, they've confirmed some of this stuff that I thought was true. This feels like it's all going to be fresh and new. And uh, I could definitely see, you know, how this got on your list. And it's why I'm so embarrassed that it wasn't one of my top ten. <laughs> I'm just going to silently just shy away. And, and I wonder if if because like with with Borap, Rami Malek wasn't actually singing the songs. You know, they, it was it was all lip lip syncing and stuff. But in Rocket Man, Taron Egerton is 
singing these songs. So I'm curious if if that'll have any effect uh, on the box office at all. If people will want to go just to kind of see how he does. Yeah, you know, and going back to the trailer with him, he seems he, he seems to really embody the character. Yeah. And that's going to that did a lot for Rami Malek in uh, Borat. <laughs> um, and I think it's going to be the same thing with Rocketman. Excellent. Yeah. And also for Edgerton, you know, just to get a chance to see him step away from that sort of like action role. I feel like he tried yeah. to do a heartwarming role with Eddie the Eagle. And it just I don't know how it did over, you know, over in England itself or, you know, in the European audiences. But I don't really felt like it caught on here. In it really West. didn't. Like it was a good movie. But it, yeah, it just it didn't get any traction over here, at least. And I think he's got the range to really make, you know, a heartfelt, you know, intimate character story like this really sing. So that's a, you know, great thing to look forward to, I think, as well. You know, let's see what this kid can do. And uh, Brad, I think you were right. Like Rami Malek, he really seems to, you know, do his best to sink himself inside the skin of Elton John and say, OK, I can wear this. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to move on to number seven. Uh, Seth, what was your number seven? Interestingly enough, my number seven ended up being Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, that I, one, that's that's my number six. Oh, righteous. Let's go ahead and hold off until we, we, we pop on over there and uh, get everybody else's number sevens in, yeah? Is that on your list at all, Brad? It is not, but I think I'm having a moment like Seth did where, oh, yeah. you know. You're kind of, <laughs> uh, I'm not alone. That, I'm not alone. Yeah, 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 that probably, that would definitely have probably made uh, my list. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your number seven? <laughs> My number seven is uh, Godzilla, uh, okay. King of the Monsters, and is that higher up I on your on yours, Seth. It that actually is higher up on my list. Yes. Okay. Let's, we'll, then we'll uh, we'll kind of hold off a little bit until we get to it uh, a little bit higher. My number seven ended up being Aladdin. So interesting. Uh, yeah, this Aladdin was my favorite of the animated Disney animated films back in the day uh, when I was a kid. Um, so it's always really held a, a special place in my heart. I even enjoy the sequels. Uh, mm. the, sec the second one, not as much, but uh, the, the third one I really dug. Um, with these Disney live action films, you know, th they've had some great success. They've had some, some not so great, but of recent years, you had like Beauty and the Beast, you had Jungle Book. They did huge amounts at the box office. Um, the only problem that I that I think the only reason why it's so low on my list in comparison uh, is because of the of the director. It's Guy Ritchie, and he's really his films really aren't successful uh, outside of <clears throat> his Sherlock Holmes films. He's never broken uh, fifty million uh, domestic total outside of those two films. So I, I think that the fact that it's him, you know, uh, those first couple of trailers that people weren't too impressed with. Uh, I think it'll drag it down, but I really liked the last trailer that they came out with, and like I said, in general, I love Aladdin, so I think the name recognition alone, the fact that it's Disney, I think that'll bring enough people in to get it uh, high enough to to, to 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 my number seven, so what do you guys think? Yeah, I Aladdin's actually higher on my list, actually Aladdin's number three, and it's funny oh, okay. you should say about how it was your favorite of the Disney movies. And I kind of feel the same way. Um, and maybe that's why it was higher on my list is that it's um, I'm kind of projecting that little nostalgia and expecting um, that I'm Gen X. And I think that 
a lot of Gen Xers grew up with that movie and they have kids now and they want to take them to see it. So to me, it's just it might be a little bit higher on my list. Okay. Three. Yeah, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about it. When we could. I didn't realize it was so high. So, <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll go ahead and hold off until we get up to that one as well, because, you know, I, I'm curious just to talk about that, you know, well, all the elements that go with it. Let's hold off till that. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. So on to our number six. Uh, what was uh, so? OK, my number six was Hobbs and Shaw, which uh, we had mentioned before. So if we want to talk about that one now, we can go ahead and do that. Yeah, for me, it was just, uh, you know, the fact that I know that the franchise has continued to, you know, just have this steady trajectory. It it always seems to uh, pull in fans with the things that they're asking for each time. And I don't know how. I mean, I'm all right. So here's where I, I might sell myself. I've seen the first one and. I always go over to a family dinner kind of thing. And one of them is always on one of the sequels. It's <laughs> yes. just, it depends on which one, but at some point everybody's tired of the game or whatever else was on. They're like, Hey, put on fast and the furious, which one? And then I hear the argument and someone puts one on. And so I've had a chance to experience and everyone who has caught up since who has just stayed with it, they, they just know what's going on. And everything seems to reference that if you've been keeping up, you know, or even if you only saw the first one or two, there's all these things in here you're going to connect with because so many thread lines just carry through. And I, I feel like that's one of those things that just uh, gives it that capability of staying in the top 10, even though there's part of me that goes, how? <laughs> how? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> uh, what were your reasons, Josh? Um, well, OK, so when I was looking through everything, trying to decide where I would put this one. The first thing that popped into my mind is like, man, these, you know, these last few of these films, they're making like billion, you know, over a billion dollars. And I was like, well, that's the worldwide. And if we were doing worldwide, this would definitely be in my top five. But as I was looking at it, it's it's tra it's it's right at the end of the summer. It's like right at the beginning of August. So it's got those, it's got about four weeks. So it should be able to get the majority of its money in uh that way. And as I looked over everything, I was looking at the previous films, so installments five, six, and eight had all been, gotten somewhere in the 200 to 240 range. And wow. yeah, so and and eight is low, you know, took a dip from from number seven. Seven was like over 300 uh, for the domestic, but because of The Rock, because of Jason Statham. Uh, they were the ones that really, at least The Rock was the one that really kind of made this franchise blossom again. And so I think that because this is his spinoff, it's something a little different. You got Idris Elba in there. I think it will have uh, a little bit more juice over here in the States. It'll do, it'll crush overseas. It, all of them do. Uh, but I think it'll do a little bit better than, uh, the normal, uh, over here. So that's one of the reasons why I have it so high. What about you, Brad? Uh, yeah, uh, man, I do think this probably would have made my my list. Uh, but that's interesting. You're talking about the worldwide as opposed to the American. Um, I, I do agree with you on that. And also the putting it in, you know, sometimes they put a, movies that they don't necessarily have a lot of faith in in August. And that's, maybe yeah. that's so maybe just maybe they're a little bit worried about the quality of this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I can see that because like in August, you know, most of the blockbusters are done. So it's it if if it's if they don't have as much uh, faith in it, it's got a lot more time, less competition to make more money. So I definitely get that, and that's one of the reasons why I think it actually might be able to make a bit more because it doesn't have a lot of competition uh, yeah. once August starts. So mm. smart thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, what about uh, your guys' number sixes? What about you, Brad? Uh, my number six was uh, Secret Life of Pets. All right, I have that one up a little higher. So yeah, what about uh, you, Seth? So for that one, I actually went ahead and went with The Lion King for number, oh, number wow. six. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> mine's mine's up way higher. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Me too. Me too. Yeah. We'll, no we'll, problem. We'll I'll, I'll wait till we get there. Uh, I think it's part of a, a good discussion as we start narrowing closer to the top there. I don't want I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's real high for me. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just jump right into our number fives. Uh, Seth, what's your number five? My number five for this one is uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Okay, mine's up at number three. What okay. about you, Brad? Yeah, my uh, Far From Home is number four. Okay, so then we'll just jump into number four and we'll talk about uh, Far From Home. Oh wait, no, I gotta do my number five. Sorry. Um, yeah. Just get that out. My number five uh, ended up being uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Actually, uh, mine too. All right. Um, about, did you have this on yours at all, Seth? Yeah, actually, it's much higher on my list. Okay. So then yeah. uh, we will jump up then to number four. <laughs> this <laughs> is why as we get higher up, it gets a little bit more fun because we're either all hitting yeah. it or it's it's up there. Yeah, we're just moving right along. Yeah. So uh, my number four is Secret Life of Pets 2. So I guess we can talk about that one. This was one that I, would, I know I was thinking about, and somewhere in the shuffle, it didn't get included. I know it would have been somewhere on my 10. But uh, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts because, uh, you know, the, the response to the first one was really great. And all the arguments you're going to make for part two or something they should be listening to instead of my excuses. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for the first film, I, I enjoyed it, but it was it was nowhere near as beloved as some of the other uh, Illumination films, you know, like the Despicable Me movies and things like that. But it brought in a, a decent amount of money um, and. You know, with with most animated sequels, they a lot of times they're not quite as good as the first. Um, but again, with these Illumination ones, you know, the, the Despicable Me had a huge jump from the original to the sequel. You know, so I, I it wouldn't surprise me if people came out to see, it, especially you know, bringing their kids and things like that. The biggest problem that I'm seeing with Secret Life of Pets. Uh, making a big impact is the fact that two weeks later toy story 4 comes out mm. so it's going to hit a roadblock right there and i feel like mm. if it if it doesn't make its money in those first two weeks i i feel like it's probably not going to really make much more after that because of that so what about you brad i know you had this you had number yeah, five it's on my list yeah uh, i think that with you're right sequels sometimes animated movies do make more money on their sequels because the kids go out and they get the dvds the parents don't take them to see the first one but they get the dvds the kids love it so oh can we go to the theater can we go to the theater and i think that's what's going to happen uh with this and i think the marketing is kind of clever with the individual character trailers yeah uh and that kind of the the humor that they show in those trailers is kind of something that appeals to a broader age range too so it might bring slightly uh older kids people into the movie theaters as well 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm curious if the um, cast change for the main character will have any impact at all. Because they, they took out Louis C.K. because of all the controversy and stuff that he had. And they replaced him. can't remember who they replaced him with. But I know that they replaced him uh, uh, as, I think it was, what, Max, I believe, uh, as who he voiced, the little dog. Um, yeah, so so. I'm curious if that'll have any sort of impact at all. So. Those are both great arguments for why I should have had it in for uh, <laughs> in my list there. Um, we're on number four, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so my number four was actually, and I feel like others have already mentioned this, but lower. Mine was Men in Black International. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did I anyone else have my, it any higher? Yeah. No, I had that in, the, in my Dark Horse picks. Gotcha. Uh, you know, essentially for my own reasons on this one, I feel like the uh, the chemistry between those two uh, simply is probably the closest to the original casting with uh, Will Smith and old curmudgeonly, whose name just totally slipped from my brain. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, Tessa, you know, her ability to get under Thor's skin <laughs> in Ragnarok <laughs> is something that, is is so built in it's it's kind of like when they started doing those tom hanks meg ryan movies because everybody just loved tom hanks and meg ryan i feel like there's an untapped layer between these two actors that this movie is going to get a chance to explore and i think it's just going to be a lot higher than you know as i was thinking about it more and more i i feel like there's you know that desire to just see how far it can go and on a big international sort of you know alien adventure like this you know that possibility is there so uh between that and the history that ended up making it my my number four for those reasons i gotta say the one thing is i'm not a fan of the title for this movie men in black i don't know why it's men in black international i don't know i'm just some reason it just bothers me (laughs) i don't know if if either of you guys had that problem at all but some reason it just bothered me a little bit (laughs) less than it bothered me and more than it made me feel like it was almost like a joke and uh you know Mm. what i mean because Uh, yeah you know what i mean like it it should be intergalactic right or it should be like interstellar or something else along those lines (laughs) so the fact that they make it international i mean for me it just means that i mean and this is just my my take is that we'll get a chance to kind of see them globe hopping and in the process, you know, sort of see like how things are, are done on this take of like, well, how does Men in Black in Antarctica compare with Men in Black in Australia compared with, you know, Singapore or something like that, uh, if it's if it's that sort of take. But otherwise, it just seemed like this sort of funny joke, like, yeah, we're with Men in Black International. Come again. You know what I mean? And, and just that thing that either is explained in some way or is yeah. never really explained until some point. And then hopefully it's got the punch. Cause otherwise <laughs> it's like a joke with a bad punchline, man. And everybody just goes, Oh, we waited for that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, what was your number four? My number four was uh, Spider-Man far from home. Okay. That's my number three. So we can go ahead and, uh, Seth, where was uh, Spider-Man for you, if anywhere? So Spider-Man Far From Home was my number five. That's okay. how oh, yeah. we ended up kind of getting to this funny jump around. And I was like, yeah. all right, well, let me get my four out of the way, because I feel like it's one that we've already talked about and that this one was one we'd all be, you know, sort of cashing in our reasons for why it's so high up here. Yeah, so we'll um, jump right into that, into the number three, and then we can just talk, right, because that's my number three. So we'll just talk right about that. So go ahead, Brad. You can, uh, You guys can start off. 
you know, I just, I'm very excited. You know, after seeing Endgame, I, I'm I'm curious how, you know, it's such a juggernaut right now. Endgame, how much of an effect that will have. Yeah. To bring people into the theater to see what Marvel does next. Yeah, I don't know and if you guys, I don't know if you guys have seen what the current Endgame uh, total is as of today, being Sunday. One point two billion. Yeah. 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 Three hundred and fifty million domestic at the moment. It's crazy. It's yeah. phenomenal. That's yeah, I keep getting all these alerts right as we were getting set up for this call, and I'm like, I'll I'll read you later. <laughs> 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 I'm I'm busy. But yeah, I, Brad, I think you're right. You know, I, uh, I I haven't yet. I'm seeing it tomorrow, and I'm sure that might inform my opinion differently. But I tried to keep in mind, like, okay, without knowing anything about what's happening in Endgame and knowing that they announced this movie, you know, far in advance, it wasn't like they waited until Endgame and then they're like, oh, and then there'll be a Spider-Man movie in the summer. So we've all known this was out here and that the challenge would be how is it going to follow up Endgame? And I think with that sort of expectation, that's the reason it stayed in my top five. But I couldn't put it higher than that because without sort of really understanding what its goal was going to be, you know, where it's where it's supposed to be picking up from at the time that it's announcement, no real information. I mean, no one had seen Endgame yet. Some people have already. And that might, you know, interpret or allow them to perceive my answer differently. But as far as its expectations, that was the biggest cloud for me was not knowing really what to kind of hope for when it comes out. The trailer looks great, but how am I going to be feeling about it after I've seen whatever Endgame is going to produce? And without that sort of knowledge, it really made it hard to to put this any higher than five for me. And I, I know that you guys have it a little bit higher, so I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on, on what got it up to those notch or two higher. Yeah, uh, for me, it... I, I love Homecoming. It's my favorite outside of uh, Into the Spider-Verse. It's my favorite live-action Spider-Man movie. Um, and so being, you know, having the sequel come in and it, it kind of us having this, we're not sure of whether or not it's actually supposed to be set before or after because there's rumors that it's before. There's rumors that it's set after Endgame uh, and Infinity War. Um, so, I, you know, I feel like a lot of people will want, to, you know, one, find out that. Two, are just going to be on a high from Endgame uh, and coming in for, for, you know, for that. And it has a two-week buffer from both Toy Story and Lion King. So it's, it, it's got like a nice little pocket of time there where it'll be kind of by itself uh, to kind of rake in some money. Um, so like the majority of people who have already gone and seen Toy Story can go now and see Spider-Man before they go and see Lion King. Uh, and the first Homecoming made like three hundred and thirty million dollars, so I could see it like I could see it doing more than that. Um, so this, that's why it ended up at my number three. So it's that the power gotcha. of the power of Marvel, even though it's technically Sony, <laughs> it's still linked to the, to the MCU and the power of Marvel. You can't you can't deny it. So. Yeah, and by the way, listening to you say Homecoming and Far From Home right now, it makes me realize that I hope that I was saying Far From Home earlier when I was talking and not Homecoming and not just mixing it up all over the place. Because I feel like I feel like in some ways with this, like I'm so confused about what I'm going to see when I see it that I have no idea what I'm looking forward to. You know what I mean? It yeah, almost felt like for Homecoming, you know, I got the I got the teaser for it because it was such a great intro in uh, Civil War. That I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to get to see more of this great kid. And yet at the same time, you know, I, I really don't know which parts of this kid 
I'm going to be seeing when I see him in Far From Home. You know, who is he going to be? Because he's certainly not that fresh face. Hey, it's my first time in the game. You know, everything he's experienced up till now is going to be really different. And telling that story after, again, you know, this this juggernaut that's basically sort of captivated our headlines for the weekend, if not for the month. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the biggest part of it, I think, for me. Yeah, and, and there's some great villains coming in this movie. You got Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio, and it was revealed that you know Hydro Man and Molten Man are going to be in this. So uh, I'm really interested to see. I, I think like, I I know that with all certain other Spider-Man movies, uh, when they've had too many villains, it's kind of been a detriment. But I have a feeling that it's going to tie together nicely in this one. I don't know why. I just I, I have faith that it, that it's going to. So. I have a little theory about those other villains. Okay. Uh, I have a feeling it's something that Mysterio creates to okay. make him look like a hero. That's yeah, totally I've, agreed. I've, I've heard that before, definitely. Um, there's the, Those characters are still being um, referred to as Molten Man and Hydro Man uh, via some leaked uh, Lego sets that came out. But that could just be something that they're calling them. Yeah, we don't, you know, we still, we really don't know. So, yeah, it's just as soon as I saw those characters and then Mysterio, I was reminded of some of my favorite stories involving him, whether it was with Spider Man or Daredevil or whoever else he tangles with. And it seems like I just thought, like, that seems so convenient, you know, one, then the other, and then he pops up. And it, it definitely feels like, you know, to me, like that's a, that's a, a direction that seems very likely just everything that you know about a guy who's i mean that's kind of his thing right misdirection and illusion yeah. and you know uh disguise <laughs> and it wouldn't surprise me if all that stuff from the trailer like all that stuff from the trailer is in the first act of the movie exactly yeah that yeah. could that could really be the yeah. fun part because you know halfway then the rest of it's just a great surprise discovery yeah 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 all right so uh seth what's your number three uh, so my three is it kind of surprised me, but um, the the recent trailer for Godzilla King of the Monsters made okay. me moving into number three. So, you know, I'm happy to start out with my arguments and then let others join in. But really, I'm just going to base it on what I felt was the power of the most recent trailer. Um, I felt that there were so many great story components that are existing in that trailer and it almost, and this was the weird thing, but I was so scarred by the Matthew Broderick version that came out <laughs> so many years ago that I, I almost swore off the concept ever again. And when I heard about this, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. What is wrong with you people? Why do you have to keep trying to ruin great things? And then I saw, uh, you know, I always mess up her name, so I'm just going to call her Eleven from Stranger Things. And... Um, <laughs> Because I always messed it up. I always, like, half the time call her, like, Miley Cyrus Brown or something. It's just a mess. <laughs> it's um, Mil I, Millie, Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown. Brown. Yes. See, and that's the other problem. Like, halfway <laughs> through, I'd be calling her, like, Bobby Millie Brown. I, I just always butcher it. <laughs> and she's just such a great character. And I love her ability as an actress and an actor that I, I don't want to do that to her. So w when I saw the first sort of, like, teaser with her just reacting – I thought, wow, you're really relying a lot on this young girl. But then when I saw the way they sort of set up the threat, you know, of Mothra and just how facing all of these classic enemies like that, Godzilla can be this kind of hero. And 
the presentation of that trailer sold me in a way that really surprised me. And I looked over this list and I ended up bumping this movie up a lot higher because of that. And it, it you know, I, I haven't even gone any further into like who's directing or what else is going on. I just sort of went off those two reactions because it just it it spoke to me uh, very impressively. Uh, and uh, I was really actually kind of surprised by that. Like I said, I swore after the Matthew Broderick, and I was like, I'm done. You guys can't get me back. I don't think you can do it. And and this one went ahead and just sucked me back in. Go figure. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the trailers the trailer for it as well. I still haven't seen the first one or Kong Skull Island. But after seeing the trailer for King of the Monsters, I, I, I want to go and see it before this one comes out. Um, because it, it looks so good. And everything that I've heard about the 2014 Godzilla movie you know, is that there's not actually that much of the monster. And this trailer looks to be the opposite of that. So I'm really, I, th- I think that, I do think that we'll, it'll get some people out just, just for that, so. Yeah, the trailer, absolutely. There are a certain percentage of the movie-going population that love the idea of spectacle. And yeah. man, that trailer was just over the <laughs> top, man. Yeah. Yeah. I you know I was like yeah I'll see it I'll see it but after seeing that trailer I was like I want to be there opening weekend yeah um, for sure <laughs> the, the reason that it's so low on my list is uh, long the, the the tracking for it is really low at the moment um it's it's sitting at like a hundred and ten for the total domestic and mm. which I think mm. it'll do more just from the hype that I've been hearing. Uh, the you know the awesome trailer and everything like that. I do think that it'll be much higher than that, but that's the main reason why it ended up so low uh, on my list. So, no, that's interesting. I hadn't heard those numbers, but you know that's that's something to keep in mind. You know, based on the expectations. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming. And into I mean, it tracking it's all you know it's 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 not an exact science or anything. So like things do change. You know, they were they were tracking uh, like Wonder Woman originally at like 60 million for its opening, and they did like 103. And they were they were tracking Beauty and the Beast at like 140, and it did over 200. So you know things definitely can change. Agreed, agreed. Uh, that's always something good to keep in mind. Huh. And uh, Brad, what was your number three? Mine number three was Aladdin. Okay, so uh, go ahead. Well, why is it your number three? Yeah, I think just like we were talking about before, just there's a certain nostalgia factor. Um, you know, Josh, you said that it was your favorite Disney movie, and it was mine too. And uh, there, you know, I'm Gen X, and I think a lot of Gen X people have kids now that they want I'm, to kind I'm of like share right that at, experience. I'm like right on the cusp of yeah. Gen X. I'm I'm what they used to call Gen Y, and now apparently yeah. call millennial, which is really yeah. weird. I'm in my mid 30s, and they're calling, and I'm apparently a millennial. It's, I, I don't yeah. understand that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I I just I, I think that that's <laughs> And also, you know, we're movie geeks, so we're more critical of the trailers that we see. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of smack talking about Will Smith as the genie, but I don't think that's going to that's going to translate to the general population. And people and that last trailer, they they made it look a lot better than they did. those first couple. So I think that'll definitely help uh, with that. Yeah. But that's why that was higher on my list. Okay. All right. Uh, Oh, go ahead, Seth. Oh, I was just going to add in, you know, for me, this was the biggest challenge about Aladdin because 
it was one of those movies that allowed me to stay attached to animation during the 90s. There had been sort of like this lull. And Aladdin was one of those movies that was so well done that it, like The Lion King, which has a remake on this list as well, are one of those movies that sort of, you know, allowed Disney to stay in my hearts through the 90s. Even as I became a young adult and was, you know, moving into later years, those were always like touchstones of like, hey, man, that was a moment when they really got it right. And that was the biggest challenge with this live action is I. I knew that I was having my doubts and questions until that most recent trailer. And I know that there had already been some early doubts and questions. And that's what sort of like moved it around so low for me and ended up putting it in this weird dark horse category. Because I felt like for so many people, if you really loved and grew up with that animated movie, you were either going to really want this or you were going to really feel like they were trying to ruin your childhood memory by doing it. And it's so polarizing in some ways that I thought that was going to be the biggest challenge for it. So I'm encouraged to hear that, you know, you guys, you know, see it as having a stronger showing on the list and that it could really rise above that because I was a little bit, you know, disappointed when I first started hearing those, you know, early reactions. It was like, Oh, wow wow, that's not a lot of support for a remake. You know, I wonder if the pushback is we're still clinging to that childhood, you know, experience that we had with the animated one because it it was so powerful. You uh, you couldn't walk down the street for like the next five years afterwards without somebody singing. You never had a friend like me and everybody else jumping along and, and singing along with it. It, it had that kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> ability to sink into the culture. Yeah. All right. So then I guess uh, we are down to our final two. Uh, I'm going to start off with you, Brad. What's your number two? My number two is Toy Story. All right. That's my number two as well. Yeah. Okay. Now it's creepy because (laughs) that's my number two as well. And y'all are freaking me out. Simpatico. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) It's our first time, I think. Yeah. Well. I thought it was crazy enough when Brad and I, you know, had the early hit for number nine on Dark Phoenix, but all three of us landing at number two for Toy Story 4. Okay, who started off? Come on. Who? <laughs> you can go right ahead, Seth. You're already, uh, you're already going. Let's hear what you got. You know, Toy Story was one of those films that I remember. I remember this is how I can, you know, give a perspective for me. I remember playing college soccer. And guys that I played ball with, and I, I was probably around like, you know, 1920 and guys who I knew who were older on the team, some with like life experience, like ex-military, whatever. These guys are like 24, 28. And they're like, dude, this Toy Story movie, dude, how awesome does that look? Like, how amazing was that movie? You know what I mean? Like everyone who saw it in the theater, who bought copies and watched it at home, it was this experience. And I can't think of any one of the sequels since that just was a letdown. And I almost feel like in some ways, like Angry Birds 2 is going to be for the younger generation, which was why it was on my Toy Story 4. I think it it gives us just that that feeling of hope. And if you grew up with that experience or you remember it being something as part of your early adult years where you went, oh, man, there's still that sense of hope in the world. Like and these characters embody it for me. Um I, I really think that's something that everyone really needs. I don't know if it's more important right now for whatever reasons, you know, you can look around at, but I just feel like there's this need for hope and this need for sort of a, 
this sense that the things that gave us hope as children can still give us hope as adults and that we can keep passing them on to our kids. And somehow Toy Story always finds a way to wrap all that up in a package and say, here, we put it into a great story for you. Sit back and thank us later. Um, that, that, that's my pitch. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Toy Story movies, they, all, they hit all the beats of what makes a movie great. Um, tells a good story, has a message, has a little action, has, you know, it's, it, they don't mess around. They, they don't take risk in releasing a bad Toy Story movie. And it just has such broad appeal that there's no way this, this movie's not going to make a ton of money. Yeah. Especially when it's far, when it's a little far removed from something like Endgame, which was, you know, that would probably be the only thing that would give it competition. And it's far away from that enough that, yeah, it's going to it's going to bring it in. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I mean, Pixar, it's, it's, they're, they're like the king of the of animated film. And Toy Story is probably their most famous, popular brand. Uh, you know, you've got the three films and there's a series of short films that they that they did as well. Um, when my daughter first discovered these movies, I, I spent two months literally watching all three of these movies plus all of the shorts every single day for two months straight. <laughs> so I know these movies, and yeah. I love these movies. That's awesome. Even <laughs> watching them that many times, I still love these movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was like 11 when the first one came out, so it was like right at that age uh, to where it really connected with me. And yeah, I the, the 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 Toy Story movies are some of the some of my favorite animated films of, of all time. So when I heard that they were going to do a Toy Story four, I was really excited, especially because, um, like I mentioned with the 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 shorts, there are two half hour shorts and like three six to seven minute shorts that they did, um, and they're all set after Toy Story three, so they're all set with Bonnie, and so mm. being a bit more familiar with her. And with the toys that she has that weren't part of Andy's toys uh, has made me a bit more excited for this uh, specific movie because it's, it's going to have those characters. It's going to have Bonnie and, and Trixie, who's the dinosaur. And there's a character called Prickle Pants, who's like a, a, who's like a hedgehog, <laughs> later hosing. It's, it's really weird. Oh, but yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're characters <laughs> that were in Toy Story 3 but didn't get a whole lot of play. Um, so... Being a bit more familiar with them is it's made me super excited for this. The only problem that I had is those first few trailers that they put out, even the the full length one. I really, honestly, have not been impressed by any of the trailers that they've put out. Um, I still like, I'm still really looking forward to the movie, but I don't know about you guys. For me, none of the trailers have done it for me. Honestly, the trailers don't pop for me. And yeah. that was something where I just thought, okay, they're they're keeping all the good stuff until later. You know, they're yeah. pretty much just trying to tell us, like, well, what could possibly be going on for the fourth version? And that was what I really felt like the trailers were going for, or I hope they were, was yeah. like, hey, you know, there's, there's more to the story. The story keeps going, and this is how and why. And I was like, okay, so you've given me the, the what's this one about? But I really didn't feel like it was trying to do much more than that. And I felt like other that and introduced who the characters were going to be in the movie. That's really all I felt like they were trying to do. And no, I, I wasn't that impressed either. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't either, but 
even despite that, it didn't make me less excited. Yeah, exactly. For the movie. But I agree. Yeah, the trailers didn't necessarily grab me. Yeah. And, and that's and, the most impressive quality, I think, right? Is it didn't grab you. It didn't grab me. It didn't grab Josh. And we've all agreed it's our number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, I'll still be there opening weekend to see it. Yeah. It's like, it, you know, ju- just from what they've shown, it, it, it does look like they're kind of taking elements from all three of the movies and kind of putting them together in this, in, you know, for this story. Uh, and then with like the return of Bo Peep and stuff. So it's like, so, so part of me is like, I don't know how this is going to be, but I'm still going to be there to see it no matter what. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like yeah. you just want to say to your friend or anybody you know, if they're like, well, I haven't seen the trailer. Shh, don't see the trailer. Just go. Just, yeah. Like, don't, you love don't, Toy Story? Don't even bother. Just go right. see the movie. Quit arguing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, since we all had the same number two, we can move straight on to our number one picks for today. Uh, Seth, what is your number one? I went with Detective Pikachu. Interesting. I know. <laughs> a little bit I'm... about uh, what makes you think Detective Pikachu will top the box office this summer. Yeah, I'm funny in this way, and uh, I'm okay with it. But I honestly believe that it's going to bring this perfect mixture of kid and adult audience. I feel like Ryan Reynolds, I mean, what he does as the voice of Pikachu, what he can do through vocal intonation. You know what I mean? Not not only has he already accomplished it through his uh, two versions of Deadpool, in which you rarely see his face, it's covered by a mask that doesn't even show his mouth, and yet he's yeah. able to express these mm-hmm. ideas that make us laugh our butts off, right? Mm-hmm. So not only does he already have that skill, but he puts it into the irony of that voice coming from this childlike, you know, squeaky little Pika, <laughs> Pika Pikachu, you know, who are used to this high squeaky voice, but coming out with this funny sarcasm. He's not only that, but he's hopped up on caffeine. And he's trying to explain it to a kid who is like the one person who should believe him and doesn't. And I think all of those elements really combine for this sort of thing where parents and kids are going to be laughing their butts off for different reasons about the same jokes. And in the process, they're going to be telling their friends, you got to see this. Our whole family laughed. And what will probably make it, you know, sing is when (laughs) the kids are like, yeah, even my dad laughed. You know what I mean? Because. In some ways, it's like, oh, dude, you're dragging the parents or the adults to this, you know, this movie. And if they're already turned off by cartoons, the only way you get them back in is with something that's really solid. And I almost feel like there had to be a reason why they wanted to accomplish this with a a product that, I mean, aside from Pokemon Go, it's not like there's all these Pokemon movies breaking records in the box office right now. So to give it this really unique twist and sort of play with our expectations and have fun with what, you know, has already sort of permeated pop culture, coupled with the Ryan Reynolds sort of like, you never know what could spin out of it, and he's already made magic happen from the unexpected, you know, so far. It just sort of makes it that one where I'm like, this one's going to do it, and it's going to do it for these reasons, you know, and that's that's all I can really base it on. Might be a little silly, but uh, (laughs) that's where I'm coming at. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about how, you know, the previous Pokemon movies, like the animated ones, really weren't breaking uh, any, you know, any records or anything like that. And, and that was kind of one of the things that was giving me a hard time. I knew I, I knew I wanted to put this on my list somewhere, but I was having such a hard time trying to figure out where because 
I was like, I don't know what to compare this to. You know, it's like I can't compare it to the previous Pokemon movies because it's so different. The animated movies, uh, they, they don't get as wide a release. There, it's the animated movies are very much more of a niche, uh, kind kind of a a product. But then I also didn't want to compare it to like video game movies because like this is based off the Detective Pikachu video game, but it's not really like that's it's not really a typical video game movie. So I was really I was having a hard time figuring out where to place it. So, I mean, the main reason it ended up at my number five is because of where the long term tracking for it is. And it's it's tracking right now at 250 million for its overall domestic. And that's the main mm-hmm. reason, because I was like, like, this movie looks great. You got Ryan Reynolds in there. When I, you know, the first trailer that I saw, I was like, oh, it's Deadpool's Pikachu. But then as you, you know, as you watch it, as you get other trailers, it's like that kind of fades away and he becomes Pikachu. And so and it, the, the humor looks on point. So I think it'll be really good. Uh, it's just whether or not people are willing to to uh, remove the Pokemon part of it uh, from their minds and just go and see this uh, as a movie. What about you, Brad? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that you have a point with the unique take on it. Um, I don't really know that much about Pokemon, but I know they don't talk. And but yeah. the first live action as a talking Pikachu, that was risky. And I like but, how they man. did it. It's like only that one yeah. kid can hear him. Like the other people don't hear him. Yeah. So they yeah. still right. hear him <laughs> saying Pika Pika. So I thought that was brilliant, you know, yeah. to be able to and get that in there. Because in the video game, he talks to the audience, you know, he talks to the player in the game. So it makes sense that they would have that part of it. But yeah, and I don't know why I want to see it, to be honest, but I do. There's just something about it. Yeah. Even if it's this color scheme of the way they they filmed it, there is something about it that it's appeals to me. It's got kind of like that, those like 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 a Blade Runner feel to it, which sounds yeah. weird. Yeah. Exactly yeah. what I was gonna say was Blade Runner. It yeah. feels like this dark, it's like the kid version of Blade Runner. It's freaking me out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I, I definitely want to see it. And the CGI looks great. Like yeah. I used to watch the old animated show, like the original animated show, uh, and I loved that when I was younger. But like. And, and I've played Pokemon Go and stuff like that, but the the seeing these Pokemon like essentially come to life in this movie, it looks fantastic. I, I I never thought I'd ever see a live action Pokemon movie that actually looked good, but this looks fantastic. So yeah, yeah and I think yeah. actually the last thing I'd point to is the fact that you know. If you don't mind me just inquiring, roughly how old were you both when you were first sort of exposed to Pokemon? Like around what ages, you know, did you first start interacting with it? Um, when, when did that come out? The mid-90s probably? So right. Probably like maybe 12, 13, somewhere around that age. Gotcha. Um, Man, I'm uh, Pokemon Go. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, okay. really. Uh, it, you know, and and because I got into gaming a little late, and I do, I can totally respect how those Pokemon video games are designed, and they're fun to play. But it yeah, was I, really I played the Pokemon old, uh, I played the old like Game Boy games, like Red, Yellow, and Blue, and stuff like yeah. that, that way yeah. back in the day. Yeah, uh, watch. I never played the card game. I was more of a Magic the Gathering player. I was yeah. playing that. <laughs> Uh, I was a little too old. I think the card game. I was a little too old when it really became popular because I was. Yeah. I was yeah, teaching. I was already teaching people how to play Magic Gathering when when yeah. the card game became popular. But that's that's a huge amount of time. I mean, if we're talking from the mid '90s till now, I mean, that's so many people that have grown up with Pokemon. So now imagine these things that you've grown up with and seeing them placed in adult situations with your adult mind. 
kind of taking that in and also your history with them, you know, growing up as their sort of childhood experience. You know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like yeah, it's when a pretty you brilliant concept, you yeah. know, it's sort of like when you know somebody and then once you become an adult and you find out the other side about who they are, because it's like they can't show you everything when you're a kid. You just won't understand. But now that you are old enough to understand, it's like, oh, you know, that explains why I had these questions. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure there's just some great comedic opportunities in there. Um, and there but we and talk like, to- there's so much more you can do with animation. So to see them be able to do some of that stuff in this kind of like live action type of setting is incredible to me. Because like seeing like, I don't know, one of the, I don't know about you guys, but one of the, my favorite parts of the trailer is that Mr. Mime scene. Yeah. So at the end of it, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Every yeah. time I see it, I just yeah. die laughing every single time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's, so, like, it's to be hard, able to do really that to scene <laughs> and not make it look stupid, that to me, that's incredible. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, if, if that sort of brilliance is not just reserved for the trailers, if it's carried throughout the film, you know, that's, that's what makes me think it, it could really do it. And that's the fun part about picking it from my one is like, if it hits it, boy, what a, what a home run, what a grand slam. And if not, Ooh, what a big swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but that was mine. What, what do you guys got for number ones? That's what I want to hear. Yeah, Brad, what's your uh, what's your number one? Lion King. I, feel, I was going to say, I feel like it's the same as mine. Yeah, yeah Lion yeah. King. Yeah. Nice. Um, that was actually my uh, my number five. And, you know, I have yeah, my own about, sort of... Yeah, we'll start with you, Seth. What, uh, what made you put it a little bit lower than, uh, than the rest of us? You know, I think really, I think the biggest challenge for me with uh, with Lion King was that I wanted to sort of temper my hopes against what I knew could be some of its biggest challenges. And uh, I love what I've seen from the trailer. And yet at the same time, what I saw from the trailer wasn't enough for me to push it past that. For For some reason, it was just in my mind of like, you know, I know this will do well. And I know that the results overall will be good and they might even surpass whatever the, you know, uh, the metric or percentage, you know, totals are kind of predicted for it. But I also feel like with so much going on right now, it's just going to it'll make the top five, but it won't be enough to soar past it. And I, I can't really say, you know, if there was one factor, I do know that there were just these little thoughts of doubt in my mind, little hesitations that sort of coupled into a a final where I thought, you know, these other movies that could surpass it aren't hindered by that. And those, those sort of concerns don't, don't come with those other properties that could be in the top four. And for that reason alone, you know, that, that really seemed to be it, even though I'm, I'm hoping to be proven wrong, I would like to see a great live action, but it's also the fact that, and, and this is where it's personal, the, the Lion King animated was one of the most beautiful things I've ever watched. It it was heart-wrenching. It is, I mean, the, that first opening scene, those first 15, 20 minutes with the sunrise and everything that goes with it, the way the watercolors seem to display from the sun on the sky to its reflection in the water and the birds, you, you could count off the number of beautiful moments that exist just from that introduction. And, and that's a hard thing to match in live. It's possible. It's really possible. We've got the technology. You know, I almost feel like the six million dollar man. We have the technology. We can do it. It's it's there. It's it's possible. But hitting it, it, it requires so many things to match up. 
I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't see myself getting past those, you know, not only the expectations, but the reservations. And it, it made it, I guess it was my safe pick for number five for that reason. You know what I mean? But you guys saw that it could reach that number one. And, and that's the discussion I'd really like to hear. Yeah, Brad, uh, let's talk about uh, The Lion King. Yeah, I I do think it has some challenges. It's funny because they're saying, well, it's not really live action because all the animals are still animated. Yeah, te- technically, it's yeah. photorealistic <laughs> and CGI animation. Uh, Can we get a category on that? <laughs> um, but I, there's just so many iconic moments in that film that people want to see again. Uh, and and I don't know what the tracking numbers are, but I've heard that they are huge. Uh, I so I just I, I think they're going to be unstoppable. Yeah, it's tracking summer. real high. It's tracking uh, close to five hundred. Yeah, I just yeah. Oh my God. Actually, doesn't surprise me because Beauty and the Beast topped up at over five hundred for its domestic, and Lion King is far more beloved than Beauty and the Beast. And even if it's a shot for shot, that which is pretty much what Beauty and the Beast was, I think Lion King will will outdo what Beauty and the Beast did personally. Wow, that's huge. That 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 would be a great showing. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think it'll it'll go past that. I mean, like I said, Lion King it's it's one of if not the best you know Disney animated movie out there, especially at that time frame. You know, for a lot of people, they they consider it like the top. Um, and I, I think it's going to be outside of Endgame. I think it'll be the biggest film of the year, you know, not including Endgame, wow. of course. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to top everything else. You think it's going to beat Star Wars? Ah, uh, yeah. The fact that because Star Wars does come out in December. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess I would only have like two weeks or three weeks. If anything, it'll, those will be the top three. Yeah. For 2019. Okay. I, I almost I, I'm almost ready to guarantee that. Endgame, yeah. Endgame, Star Wars, Lion King will probably be the top three uh, for the year. Nice. That's a good prediction. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. All right, was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about uh, with the Lion King? No. Like we, Boy. Like we nailed it. Okay. Well, that, I mean, that was a, a great list. I think what I want to do is uh, have you guys kind of just go down and just list your your top tens with your dark horses. Just, uh, just like a straight through list from uh, top to bottom, from bottom to top. So, uh, Seth, how about we start with you? Yeah, going from bottom to top, uh, my dark horse number three was John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. My number two on the dark horse was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And my number one was Aladdin. And then moving right up into my main top ten, number ten, I had uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Number nine was Dark Phoenix. Number eight, Angry Birds 2. Number seven, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Number six, The Lion King. And then for my top five, I had Spider-Man, Far From Home. Number four, Men in Black, International. Number three, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Number two, Toy Story 4. And my number one was Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. All right. And what about you, Brad? Okay, my third dark horse was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Second dark horse was Rocketman. And first dark horse was Brightburn. Uh, my number 10 was Men in Black International. Uh, number 9 was Dark Phoenix. Uh, number 8, uh, John Wick 3. Uh, number 7, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, up next was Secret Life of Pets. 
and uh, then Detective Pikachu, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, and then filling out the top three was Aladdin, Toy Story, and Lion King. All right. And for my Dark Horse picks, my number three Dark Horse was Shaft. My number two was Men in Black International. My number one was John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. And then moving into the main list, number 10 was Dark Phoenix. Number 9 was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Number 8 was Rocket Man. Number 7 was Aladdin. Number 6 was Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Number 5 was Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Number 4 was The Secret Life of Pets 2. Number 3 was Spider-Man Far From Home. Number 2 was Toy Story 4. And my number 1 pick was The Lion King. And there you have it, folks. The Summer <laughs> Film Challenge for 2019. Uh, I have some great films uh, that were picked here. Let me know uh, on social media, what are your top 10? Head over to Merc with a Movie Blog over on Facebook. Uh, you can also check me out on YouTube at the same. And then over on Twitter and Instagram, at Movie Blog Merc, and drop your top 10s over there. I'd like to thank both Seth and Brad for joining me today. Thank you, Seth. Uh, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Great discussion. Always glad to chat with you and Brad. And uh, where can they uh, find you on the interwebs? Oh, out there on the wide, wide world. Go ahead and look for the name Seth Singleton and Storyteller. You can find my website. You can follow the podcasting. But pretty much pick your favorite platform to reach out and say hello because, uh, you know, we're going to have more about this conversation with Josh and Brad. and I want to hear your thoughts, too. All right. And Brad, thank you. Where can everybody find you? Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, FlickyB1. And I uh, write some news stories and reviews over at DC Comics News. You can always find me over there as well. All right. Yes, and definitely check out DCComicsNews.com. We have all the great uh, news, reviews, interviews in the world of DC Comics. Uh, we have podcasts, DC Comics News podcast. And uh, Seth hosts the Spinner Rack, where he picks his top five for the week. Uh, you can find those on all major podcast platforms at the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Merc with the Movie Blog Podcast Network. You can find Talkin' Schmodown and After Live, the official Collider Live after show, every week right here on Merc with Movie Blog on all major podcast platforms. So thank you once again. I am Josh the Merc Rainer, uh, and this has been the Summer Film Challenge. So thank you again, and until next time, stay classy, folks.